0: well welcome back to the holy ship podcast everyone today we are joined by d'angelo moss who is a man on mission to deliver a message of freedom to his to his generation known for his fearless and uncompromising approach to god's word d'angelo believes that the understanding and practice of biblical principles is the key to living a successful life with a proven ability to inspire his relatable approach to ministry serves him well and his pursuit to help people live their best lives D'Angelo is founder of Free by Truth, a ministry dedicated to proving biblically-based solutions for overcoming the use of pornography. So we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: (laughs) Ah, to start off, could you just tell us a little bit more about who you are, like as a person, before we kind of jump into the episode?
1: Of course, of course. You got to know a little bit about me. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, again, my name is D'Angelo. Um... I, um, grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I now live in New York city. And, uh, yeah, my passion is to help people get free from pornography. And, uh, this is something that's been a passion uh, of mine for a long time. Uh, this is a struggle that, you know, I dealt with for years of my life, um, you know, as a Christian in ministry and, you know, for a long time, it was a, it was a problem that, um, I really felt bad about and I wanted to get corrected. And, um, Yeah, I was able to find the tools and the resources in order to get free myself. And as a result of that, um, I felt an obligation to help other people get free from it as well. So in 2017, I started uh, the ministry Free by Truth, uh, which is a ministry that's dedicated to helping Christians in particular overcome the use of uh, pornography and masturbation. So now I'm here talking to you guys, and I'm super excited about today's conversation.
0: Yeah, it'll be great. So Kind of just like on a more personal note, what are like three things that you like doing in your free time? Just so we can get to know you more.
1: That's a great question. I love that (laughs) question. So three things I like doing in my free time is going to be this. So first of all, I love salsa dancing. Oh I okay.
0: Typically,
1: <laughs> I typically add that to my bio but I was like I don't know and people but no I love salsa dancing. <laughs> salsa dancing is my jam. Um, I've been doing it for many years and I just love it. Um so salsa dancing is one. I love movies. I'm like a movie buff. So um you know I'm actually going to go to the movies later today potentially. So uh, but I love going to the movies and music is my jam as well. Um I love listening to music. It's beautiful, you know, living in New York gets so many mm-hmm. different uh, varieties of music. So uh yeah, but those are my things, you know dancing all centered around the arts essentially.
0: I love it. That's incredible. Yeah. Um. Do you play any instruments?
1: Actually, I do. I have a keyboard Ooh. right behind me.
0: Okay. <laughs> so see do
1: the I. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So could you tell us a little bit about your own journey with pornography?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so accustomed to telling this story, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so, so just a little bit about me. You know, I grew up in a uh, Christian family. You know, my grandmother's a famous gospel singer. You know, my family—I have—I come from a family of singers, so I was always in church. I was always, you know, around the things of God. Uh, But you know, because I was introduced to pornography at a very young age, I was introduced to it around the age of eleven. Pornography crept into my life, and it would become a stronghold that would be very difficult for me to break. And, you know, it was a problem for me for the better part of almost two decades. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, again, was in church always, you know, around the things of God, but I was struggling with this issue. You know, I ended up going to Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, graduated the whole time dealing with pornography mm-hmm. and um, ended up moving to Colorado. I worked for a major ministry there. If I were to say the name, I think most people on, on this podcast would know mm. who it is, but um, I ended up working for this ministry there. And I was working in a capacity where, you know, different ministry leaders and pastors would actually reach out to the ministry and actually speak with me or people in my position in order to get help, get resources, to get prayer support for some of the things that they were struggling with. Because, you know, a lot of the pastors were in positions where, you know, they didn't really have a lot of people around them. Some of them may have been in rural areas and they just couldn't like really confide in their congregations that way. So they would call us. And, you know, sometimes these people would call and they would be struggling with pornography and I would have to, you know, give them advice, counsel them Mm -hmm. and, you know, in the ways that I could. And it was during that time that I really began to, to feel a a deep sense of uh, condemnation and hypocrisy because I was trying to help these people get free from something that I really wasn't even free from myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, as a result of that, I decided, man, I cannot live my life this way. So I decided that I was going to figure out how to get free from this thing one way or another. And I didn't know where to turn to didn't, you know, I wasn't aware of any programs or anything like that. But one thing I did believe is that if there was an answer to this problem, it would be able to be found in the Bible. So what I did is I decided to go through the next two years of my life and just study the scriptures get all the scriptures that related to overcoming this issue of pornography, overcoming sin. And I essentially comprised this, this document of hundreds and hundreds of probably actually it's probably thousands of scriptures, but it's hundreds of pages worth of, Mm -hmm. um, uh, scriptures. And, It took me two years to put that together. And then it took an additional two years after that to actually understand the story that the Bible was trying to tell me through all of these scriptures and understand how to apply that into my life so that I can get the results that the Bible says that I could have. But after four years of going through this process, I was able not only to understand what the Bible was trying to say to me through these scriptures, but I was also able to get to freedom. And I'll tell you the interesting thing about what I learned in that time was that what I thought was the way to freedom when, before I went through this deep study,
0: yeah.
1: actually I found that it wasn't that way. And there mm-hmm. were so many more details and, um, you know, insights that I needed to get that I just didn't have. And these things really weren't for the most part taught in the circles that I was in. So, um, it's very, re- re- very, revealing time.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. I'm curious, you talked about kind of like this moment when you were talking with these ministry leaders that you're like, oh, like I actually like need to deal with this personally. Was that the first time you had kind of like come to that realization? Had you tried to get free before that? What was that process like?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, again, I was a Christian and (laughs) I really wanted to live my life uh, for the Lord. I, I was, I had a deep conviction about that. And of course I tried many times. I did a lot of the same things that many people do. We, you know, we make promises to ourselves saying that, oh, you know what, this, this is the last time. And I did all that stuff and mm-hmm. I would go down and I would get prayer, um, you know, at, at church services and things like that. People would lay hands on me trying to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, like pray me into uh, holiness or pray Mm -hmm. me into, uh, sanctification. And unfortunately that's just not the the method that, um, God intended for me to Mm -hmm. get my freedom. I'm not going to say some people can't have that, but I'm just saying that God needed me to go through a certain process Mm -hmm. so that I can understand, um, the method to freedom. And little did I know it was for the purpose of being able to share it with other people so that I can help other people get to where Mm -hmm. I am today. So, so yeah. Uh.
0: that's awesome and then you talked about how this whole process was four years was it like at the end of four years that you were like I finally feel like I'm able to like quit this like to experience full freedom what did that happen like somewhere in there what was kind of like your personal like journey going through that like
1: yeah no, that's a really good question um you know for me as I was on this journey I was learning how to implement certain parts of this Mm -hmm. process within my life. And there were certain revelations that I was getting on my journey that I just had to implement on -hmm. the way, right? So I was getting glimpses of freedom and I was winning in Mm -hmm. certain areas, but there were still these areas of my life that needed slight adjustments. I'll give you one. For example, you know, when I, when I was starting this whole thing, I found myself, reading the Bible a lot, I was, I was attempting to read the Bible more and pray more, but it was for the purpose of trying to position myself so that I wouldn't encounter temptation. Hmm. Right. That was my goal in reading the Bible and studying, I mean, and, and praying more, Yeah, but I had to actually come to the realization in this whole process because I kept doing that, but I was, I kept f- failing, mm-hmm. but I came to the realization that it was my goal that was wrong. It is a futile pursuit to attempt to avoid temptation and praying more, reading your Bible more will not prevent you from having to encounter temptation. And that was a massive revelation for Mm -hmm. me because once I realized that, I realized that instead of trying to avoid temptation, I should actually instead prepare for it. Mm -hmm. And if you prepare for temptation then all of a sudden you're not in a position where you're helpless or you're taken off guard when temptation Mm -hmm. presents itself. All of a sudden you're in a position of power where you are expecting it. And you can look at it as an opportunity to be pleasing to God, as opposed to it being something that is to be shunned or some negative experience. This is why James Mm -hmm. talks about, we should count it a joy whenever we encounter temptation, because at the other end of that is an opportunity to actually build an endurance, right? Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, it was, it was those moments where I had to kind of like make these slight adjustments in my thinking. And ultimately I got to a place where, you know, I felt like I really had a good grasp on what it took to be, to be free. And once I got there, I I could say, you know, I I was going a a period of time and I was able to consistently overcome the urge to look at things and, you know, do things that were inappropriate. And I believe at you know, at some point in that, in that, in that four years, I was like, I think I got this. Mm -hmm. So, so that's where we're at.
0: That's awesome. Then how did you go from your personal process to creating a process for other people?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question as well. (laughs) You're coming with the good questions, the fire. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that's a really great question. So for me, again, the big, the big, moment for me in my life was the moment that I decided to go through those scriptures Mm -hmm. and really take down all of those, all that the the scriptures were saying about this issue. And as I was diving into it, I was taking a ton of notes. Um, I had, I was getting revelation from the Holy Spirit, like crazy. Mm -hmm. And I would notate all of these things and I would create these different documents. I would have all of these voice notes of me talking about this issue and all of these Mm -hmm. things. And you know, at the end of this time, I realized I actually had a full curriculum. There was a step by step process in everything that I had put together. And um, it was just a matter of putting it in a way so that people can understand the concepts that I had to learn over that four year period of time. And, you know, it took some time to actually be able to put it together in a way Mm -hmm. that uh, people could quickly consume it and understand these concepts. But once I did, I realized I was onto something. And to this day, I have people who are in my programs, who go through my programs, um, you know, every single uh, uh, day. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a three-month program, but they come through. And what's interesting about it is, although my program is a three-month program, most people actually find freedom well before that three months Mm -hmm. are up. And it's incredible because the concepts that we talk about are so... um, uh, life-changing that if a person applies these things, they will see immediate results and Mm -hmm. they not only will see results in the area of recovery, but they will see areas, they will see changes in areas of their lives that they didn't even expect when they came into the program. So it's, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic.
0: Uh, I really love how you have like created this community, especially like through (laughs) your Instagram, like offering like all these like helpful like tips. What was like your community like during like your process of going through this and then like did you feel like you could talk about this like with the ministry you're working at like with your friends like what was that like opening up to people or did you feel like you had to do that alone what was that like
1: yeah yeah I had great community you know I was very great I was very blessed to have amazing people around me I've always had amazing people around me um and yes I had people that I confided in uh, people that I reached out to on a regular basis and they helped me a lot they helped me a lot They were there for me as a support system. They were always there to encourage me. They gave me um, the insight that they could in order to help me where I was in those particular moments. But I still realized that there was, I needed to go through a certain process mm-hmm. because I'm the type of person who's like, you know, I'm not going to just believe some stuff or I'm just not going to hear what you say to me in the moment. If you just give me like, you know, I guess some, some, I don't know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I got to say this the right way. Like, if you just say something to me, like, I don't just accept everything that people say. Like, I want to get like, what does the Bible say about this? Like, what is the, okay, give me some scripture. Let me meditate on this a little bit. Let me put this together with all the things I already know. And then I'll come to a conclusion about it. Right. So, you know, a lot of the people tried to give me insights and things like that from limited experience. Mm -hmm. uh, But, you know, I still needed to go to the word and see what the Bible had to say before I accepted it as truth in my own life. Uh, But great people around me, great Mm -hmm. people around me me. Um, I have attempted a lot of different things. There were moments mm-hmm. where I went through, you know, accountability groups and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where there's a bunch of men who's struggling and, you know, and, you know, I really didn't like that because most of the time those weren't really useful because they just turned into confession sessions, right? Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, a bunch of people confessing the things that they messed up you know, in the lat the week before. And, you know, that's not helpful for anyone unless we're growing or we're coming into greater revelation about things. Mm So, um, but yeah, so to answer your question, had great people around me.
0: Yeah. And you're like, like in the process that you have for like people now, is there like a community aspect to that? Or is it just kind of like work through it at your own pace? Like, what does that like look like on like a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yes, there is a community aspect. So our program, um, There's multiple, there's multiple facets to it, but Mm -hmm. our program actually is an online program and there's a community element where, um, it's, it's really cool actually. So people come into the program, there is the, the, the community at large, the network itself. Mm -hmm. But then when people come in, we actually will partner people up with three to five other individuals who are also on their recovery journey. Mm -hmm. And, um, they have their own little brotherhood cohort or sisterhood Mm -hmm. cohort, and they, kind of among themselves will essentially build a little micro community within our big community and they will hold each other accountable they will share tips and tricks you know their best practices in their recovery process and they also will hold each other accountable with the different mechanisms that we've put in place in order to um essentially watch the progress of each individual as they're on their recovery journey so it's a really cool um that we have set up um, with our community. We have a whole app um, that has both the insight, all the the curriculum content, as well as the community element. And then we also do live events as well. So we have like weekly prayer sessions, weekly Bible studies, weekly Q and A's. So people can come in and actually have direct contact with me, ask the questions that they want to ask and really just go to a whole new level. So we kind of hit it on all cylinders for for everyone who comes through the program.
0: Oh, oh, that's awesome. Um okay. so did you ever think that you were going to be running a ministry <laughs> like this? Like how and like also I feel like this, like I even have this with the podcast. Never thought I was gonna be talking about sex online. Um, but then also like when I like tell my family members about it, like at Thanksgiving, they're always like, Oh, oh my gosh, Interesting. Like, how has that like journey been for you?
1: It is the weirdest thing. I mean, you know, so I have no shame in what it is that Mm -hmm. I do because I know that it's a massive need, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's seen in the DMS that I get every day. I get hundreds of emails every day. Um, but, uh, it is weird to talk about this because it is that thing that's kind of like cliche or, you know, it's that, it's that, um, it's that thing that really nobody talks about, but everyone Mm -hmm. knows that. It's yeah. a massive issue. Right. Mm-hmm. So to have someone stand up and say, Hey, I want to help people in this arena and openly talk about this stuff. People don't really know what to do with that at first. I remember I was, I was mm-hmm. dating and, um, you know, like, you know, the girl that I was dating want to support the ministry, but mm-hmm. her family members see, you know, this guy talking yeah. about, you know, <laughs> on her on her <laughs> on her dms or, or on mm-hmm. her uh page you know making comments they're like who is this guy so you know you kind of have to deal with that but it comes with a territory uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I i value the people that i'm able to help though more than i value yeah. how i look on social media mm-hmm. i don't particularly care about it i just want the message to get out
0: yeah yeah then also you brought up dating how do you bring this up when you're in relationships is that like a first date thing like do you have like a process for that or
1: you always have to bring it up. You just, yeah. you know, somebody's mm-hmm. going to ask you like, hey, what do you do for work? All right, well, this is <laughs> this is what I do, <laughs> you know? And the, th- the great thing about it is it always kind of, you know, catches people off guard. But again, mm-hmm. everybody knows that this is a big issue. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, most of, the, I never get pushback. I never am like, oh, I don't know about this. It's never that way. It's more like, man, that's, that's actually kind of cool. And they will ask more questions about what that looks like. And, yeah. you know, the truth is the majority of people struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Most yep. people, struggle in this arena so um if you don't you know somebody who do who who does and you know you probably have have heard stories of people who've had problems in their lives because of it so i think that you know it just unfortunately is something that we don't talk about because so many people struggle with it Mm -hmm. and we need to talk about it more we need to tackle this thing as a church as a body Mm -hmm. of believers because if we don't get ahead of this thing it's only going to get worse It really is. I mean, you think about how things have progressed. You know, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 36 years old. And when I was coming up, you know, we barely had access to internet. You know, internet Mm -hmm. was just coming up when I was around in middle school. Right. So, you know, I was able to have for the most part, a pretty normal childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, But the kids today, they come out of the room with an iPhone with access to you know, you know, YouTube and TikTok and all mm-hmm. the the places that is pushing softcore porn and in some yeah. cases hardcore porn. Um, and these people are, you know, uh, um, they are introduced to this stuff at a very young mm-hmm. age and they are fighting battles that we've never had to fight in my generation. So you know, I, I really feel for the younger generations and mm-hmm. I feel like it's only getting worse because of, you know, the advancement of technology with virtual reality coming out. Mm-hmm. When virtual reality comes out, it is going to be the most immersive experience that yeah. people will be able to have with pornography, unfortunately. And the, the porn companies already are creating content for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I know very soon, you know, some big tech companies are going to be coming out with some really cool VR technology that may be helpful in some areas, but it's going to open up a whole nother can of worms um, in other areas, similar to the way that, you know, iPhones and, you know, smartphones and, you know, even the internet um, Mm -hmm. change things for better and for worse uh, for us today. So
0: Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think like the church's (laughs) responsibility is in talking about pornography?
1: Oh, it is our job Mm -hmm. The, I mean, the Bible, Jesus said, you are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free Mm -hmm. as the keepers of the truth. It is our responsibility to share it with other people. This is why we are here. We are here to make disciples. And, um, it unfortunately has been the thing that has been swept under the rug and it frustrates me. It really does because, you know we as the church are claiming to solve the problems and to be the light and to help the people in the areas that they have need and i would agree i mean i would i would i would venture out to say that most you know pastors and leaders can identify with the fact that they believe that pornography is probably the greatest issue that is, that the church is facing right now. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was a study done by the Barna Group, and um, I think something like, uh, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I believe it was somewhere in the 50% 50%, uh, range of pastors saying that the pornography is the biggest issue that they are facing in Mm -hmm. the church. Yet, it is one of the least talked about things in the church they might mm-hmm. you know we might have a sermon every now and then you know maybe one once or two times a year maybe might yeah. have put it into the rotation but unfortunately we are not talking about it to the degree that we need to especially not in relation to the magnitude of the problem so i think we got to step it up as a church 100
0: yeah uh, and then i feel like there's a common like belief in society right now that like everyone watches porn, porn's normal. Like, it's not bad. Like it's like a sexual freedom movement. What would you like have to say back to that? Or like, why would you like warn against that?
1: Oh my gosh. I think the, the, um, effects, the negative effects of pornography is primarily what draws people to reach out to me in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are just oblivious to the harmful effects of pornography, but there are so many more people who have experienced the harmful effects their own in their, in their own lives, or they've heard stories of people who've had their marriages ruined by Mm -hmm. pornography or, you know, uh, they find themselves addicted or even worse. I mean, not, not, not worse, but, you know, equally as bad, maybe they've experienced certain things themselves, you know Mm -hmm. Um, you know, pornography and masturbation um, is, is, is one of the primary reasons why there is a tremendous rise in erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we have a ton of men out there who are putting themselves in positions where they're literally not able to perform sexually with their, with their partner because of the effects of pornography and what it's done to their brains. Mm -hmm. This is why the whole no fat movement started. Um, it started from, uh, men realizing, the harmful effects of pornography and how it can um, contribute to erectile erectile Mm -hmm. dysfunction in the life of a man. So um, I think that, you know, if you would venture out to say that pornography is not harmful or it's not harming Mm -hmm. anyone, I would say just do a little bit of research and you will find Mm -hmm. that that's not the case. You know, it contributes to um, uh, human sex trafficking and there's it, it's just a dark dark place and I mean, we can go into it for for hours as to all the negatives yeah. but um, I would just say stay away from it or at least do your own research to find mm-hmm. out whether or not you know it is in line with your moral position
0: yeah. yeah and then how can people find you how can they sign up for your 90-day program
1: yeah yeah well, you know, I think the best way to connect with me right now is going to be on Instagram. Okay. Um, that's the best way I'm on my DMs most of the day, to be honest. Um, so um, there's a few ways you can reach out to me. Um, I would recommend either just you know, of course, following me on Instagram at D'Angelo Moss, it's D-E-A-N-G-E-L-O-M-O-S-S. And if you need help, or if you want to learn more about the programs that I have for men and women, simply send me a DM and just say, hey, you know, I heard you on the podcast, um, wanted to get a little bit of information about your, your program. Now, if you want to be more specific about what you need from us, we have a couple of things that a couple of ways that we help people. First of all, we actually have a uh, prayer program where we will actually pray for you every single day. We have a team of people who will uh, pray for you every day. And if you're interested in um, having your name added to that prayer list, all you have to do is send me a direct message, uh, send me a DM with the word pray in it, and our automation will automatically send you um, the waste in order to be added to that. And then lastly, if you want to have a phone call with me, you can actually send me a DM with the word freedom in it, and it'll actually take you through a, a questionnaire and then ultimately lead you to a place where you can have a freedom phone call and we'll talk through some strategies for you.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'll definitely link that in the um Was it the show notes that we'll post and all of that jazz? So yeah. Cool. Perfect. Well, as always, if anyone wants to reach us, they can find us on Instagram at theholyship.podcast or email us at theholyship.podcast at gmail.com.